Hour number two. Away we go right here. It's the Gimme Zone on the ref. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Jackson Rowbottom. Man, uh, it doesn't get much better, does it? I mean, two of the absolute good guys in the business, Greg Grost and Ryan Rayner. Awesome to have them in studio, Brian. Hey, yeah. Thank you, coaches. And it's just great to give some spotlight on these great young players that commit a ton of their time to improving their craft and earn college scholarships. And, you know, Norman North in particular, defending state champion, first state championship ever at Norman North Golf and Coach Rayner. But, hey, before we move on, I want to give some thanks to a few people that really work with both of these teams. I want to give a shout-out to the Trails and Alan Hager, Westwood and Rick Parrish, uh, Jimmy Austin and and Tyler Woodward, uh, Cobblestone and Tim Shannon, and the Norman North, interesting, has a bag sponsor this year. And it's Joan Lawson, Certified Planner, Hilltop Securities, Norman. So, hey, thank you guys for not only many of these sponsors or sponsors of our programming, but for also committing your resources to these great high school golf programs. So thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of people that have helped support these two programs. But, uh, you know, I give a ton of credit as well to each of these two coaches, Brian, for just putting golf on the forefront of people's minds in the city of Norman and when you've got a couple of folks like Greg Gross and Ryan Rayner that come to Norman High School and Norman North respectively with the track records that they, they do, Brian, it, it brings that cachet. And they have really – I mean, look, the, the state championship aside, that's obvious. We see that state championship hadn't been done. But just the day-to-day and these, these golfers they have on these teams are so talented. Brian, they've really elevated game the, the game of golf in Norman. Oh, for sure, Josh. And, and you know – it is an anomaly for a high school like Norman High to have a former college coach like Greg Gross, as accomplished as he is, willing to come back and commit their time to improving the game of golf at that level. And hats off to Greg for doing that. And, you know, Ryan Rayner, a lot of people don't know. I mean, I've known Ryan for a long time. I play a lot of golf with him. But, hey, Ryan played golf at Kansas. Mm-hmm. And he played with Gary Woodland. So, I mean, this guy knows golf. And he is surrounded – you know, his coaching staff with Calf and J.R. Hurley. J.R.'s, you know, at one point was a fantastic golfer in his own right at Norman North, but also one of the best amateurs in the state to this day. So, hey, these uh, these kids should be very fortunate to have the coaches they have. And, and, you know, they mentioned some other teams out there, Jackson, that are going to be that are going to be right there in the mix. So it's going to be interesting to see. It is. Edmund North is a team that I follow pretty closely. I go up there and I do a bunch of sporting events with them for uh, for our streaming channel. And I, it, I know how good they are at golf. I know how proud of their community they have for golf. Uh, a lot of them uh, have been members of Oak Tree over there in the past. So uh, the Edmond schools are going to be chomping at the bit to try and give these Norman ones a run for their money. A uh, few really good golfing, uh, golfing teams up there in Edmond North, Edmond Memorial, and Santa Fe is going to be looking to make a bounce back as well. So good teams up there in Edmond too. Feels like the spring schedule is officially underway. Now now that we've talked with the Crosstown Clash coaches, golf season legitimately, it's, it's here, gentlemen. Speaking of golf season being here, we are monitoring as we go the Waste Management Phoenix Open. This is uh, it's one of my favorite events because it's something you mentioned earlier, Brian. I, I, I do. I, I, make it a, I make it a tradition every year. Before the Super Bowl starts, I'm watching the end of the Waste Management Phoenix Open. That uh, is not always, you know, not always received uh, the way that it should be, in my 
humble opinion at a Super Bowl party. But I think it's one of the cool things about Super Bowl Sunday is it leads right into the game. And this year we've got, uh, obviously, an awesome leaderboard. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, Adam Hadwin, they are tied as we go along here. They are finishing up round two or have been. I think maybe we're all the way done now with round two. Uh, well, I say that. There's a couple of people that are finishing up, Tway and Han. And uh, maybe a couple others on 16 or 17 finishing up. So they're finishing up round two, and then they'll get into moving day in round three. Are, are we going to finish this on Super Bowl Sunday this year? It just occurred to me. Is this going to be just like uh, last week where we get a Monday finish? That's probably going to be a lot of what happens. Yeah. I mean, the, t the times are taking a lot longer. Temperatures are uh, not cooperating later in the evening and daylight's going down. Uh, they, they fell way behind on Thursday, and we're probably looking at another Monday finish, barring something exceptional by the organizing committee there at the Waste Management. Well, and I would think we might see something exceptional, Brian, just because, again, the showcase of it being right before the Super Bowl and folks looking for some live sports right before that, I would imagine they're going to pull every string they can to try and figure out a way to, to catch up between now and then, but... Man, uh, that might be challenging. Yeah, they'll finish to they'll finish tomorrow. I, I, I have confidence unless they get you know weather moves in and, and rain or something of that nature that would halt play, uh, which probably did only have to be lightning. But uh, no, I think they'll finish play because they know what type of stage they have, and with this leaderboard, they're probably uh, chomping at the bit to have that stage. Oh yeah, and so you know. I can't see a scenario, barring something extraordinary, where they wouldn't finish on Sunday just because of the whole setup, right? I think so, yeah. And I, I don't know. What do you do to get that accomplished to, to get this thing moving quicker? Well, you know, the cut happens now, so the field goes way down. And so that, that's one thing. Yeah, that helps. And uh, I believe in these higher purse events, aren't, aren't the, isn't the cut field smaller than a lot of other events because they're paying people for – actually just being in the tournament correct? i think so i think it's top 50 here not top 60 yeah. and everyone tied for that so you're gonna have a smaller saturday and sunday for sure yeah so that takes out what four pairings right there yeah and so, well ties sometimes you can take out you know 20 people yeah you know, some, a lot of times mm -hmm. you have ties near the near that cut line and you know i i think uh it's probably good for that but you know the other things that they typically can do is if they need to play later in today um, you know, they could start earlier tomorrow. And, you know, even if they don't finish before the Super Bowl kicks, I think they would go ahead and finish on Sunday. I don't think they're going to drag that into Monday because the tour players hate that because they have their schedules already set. Many will be going to the Genesis Open. There's your segue, Josh. Yeah, there's, there's some interesting notes on this leaderboard. Again, just to run down it real quick for you. Scheffler and Hadwin, 10 under par. Rom, Shoffley, Spieth. Spieth, eight under par, but we'll talk more about the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open and what we think might happen and uh, what the storylines are with uh, the board being what it is. But, yes, the Genesis Open coming up next week. And we've buried the lead on you this morning. Tiger Woods. Man, this was uh, a shock that Tiger Woods announced that he's going to play the Genesis Invitational next week. It's obviously it's a, it's a Woods Foundation event. And uh, – Tiger Woods, you know the story. Lots of major championships to his name. The 47-year-old golfer, that's a little wild to say, but yes, the 47-year-old Tiger Woods. 82 PGA Tour wins, which of, uh, of course, all time is tied with Sam Snead. He's never won. He's never won at the Genesis uh, Invitational. He does have a couple of runners up there. It would be a fascinating storyline if, in fact, he could contend and win. I'm not. 
holding out any hope necessarily for that. When last we left you with Tiger Woods, the schedule that was, the results that were from last season, just the Masters, the PGA Championship, and the Open in terms of uh, tour starts to talk about. 47th at the Masters, a cool 13 over par. The PGA Championship, remember, he withdrew down in Tulsa after that 79 on uh, what would have been Saturday. He finished 12 over in that event, and the Open Championship, he was cut. A 78, a 75 there for nine over. So the form, not great from Tiger Woods when last we saw him, but a surprise, a surprise that he's playing in this event, Brian. No, I'm surprised, but, you know, you, you didn't really say it, but you kind of beat around the bush with it. Is this ceremonial, Jackson, or does he really think he can compete? Well, it's Tiger. He wouldn't go out there unless he thought for some reason that he could compete. He's He is a tough competitor in every situation, even into his late 40s. He, he honestly believes he can go out there and he can compete. And remember, he hasn't played at all this season. He's been thinking about he, – he had to have been thinking about playing for a while. Before that, so he's probably been down there. He's probably looked at the course. He's probably gotten a practice round in or two. Feels pro- he probably feels comfortable. Whether or not he'll go out there and compete for the for the win, I don't know. I think for the fans, there's going to be an element of sentimentality to it. There is definitely some ceremonial aspect for everyone analyzing it. But he honestly thinks he can go out there and compete. Let's give him his fair shake. He's Tiger Woods for crying out loud. Let's let's watch and see what happens. It's going to be. A test because if he plays here, you and I were talking about it, all three of us were talking about it uh, during our breaks. He plays here, he's playing at Augusta. Well, I and think so, he's playing at Augusta regardless. Yes. Because a that is a course that if he can die if he can walk it, he can still probably compete on that course because it's so predicated on course knowledge and nobody knows Augusta better than Tiger. The interesting thing to me where you know, going back to the Genesis, keep in mind this is not only where he had the auto accident that, that further injured him, it's also the place when he had tried to come back where he started sculling it all the way across the green back and forth. And so there are some uh, skeletons in that closet related to this event, shall we say. But, I, you know, I man, that walking up the 18th there is going to – man, I don't know how he's going to do it. That's a steep slope going up 18 at Riviera. It is. It is. And we are – we are all nervous for him, I think, just a little bit, just for his health and his knees. We're we're all we're all waiting to see what happens. We we're excited to see him play though. Well, at the same and I time. mean the the knee and just the the whole leg in general. Uh, I mean the reconstruction he's had done. You guys saw the, the walk and the limp, and it's just never going to be the same again. Physically, you know how much better is he now than even this time a year ago, Brian? I. I I can entertain a scenario where physically, I mean, obviously he's further removed from the the accident now. So that being said, okay, I, I can see him physically being a little bit better. We don't know he's operated in the shadows here. He's uh, just been a part of what? A couple of events, the the match uh, with Spieth and Thomas and McElroy back on December 10th. And then in the event he played with his son, the PNC Championship in Orlando back on December 17th and 18th. It's notable there. That guess what? He used a cart in both events. So this is going to be the first event that he walks. So physically, yes, he could be further along, Brian, but this is going to be the first time that we see him again have to do something that honestly is probably going to be, you know, outside of, look, trying to hit a great shot. And, you know, physically, I think, you know, in bits and pieces, he's got the shots in the bag, right? 
But it's honestly, it's from point A to point B to point C, getting around the golf course. And I don't mean thinking his way around the, the golf course, physically getting around the golf course. This is the first time, Brian, we're going to see him do that. Well, and you heard Coach Gross bring that up when he's talking about the conditioning of the athletes, even at the high school level. When you think about it, you're talking, you know, mostly 15 to 18-year-olds that are probably in the prime of their career from a physical standpoint. Now you're trying to say you have a 47-year-old man that's been broken multiple times. I mean, literally broken multiple times. And you're going to have to start walking these. And, oh, what if there's a delay and you got to play 22 holes one day and not 18? And all of those factors could, can weigh so heavily on somebody that is really just kind of limping their way around the golf course. But, you know, Tiger's been so great for the game. If he can't play at a high level – I just I hate seeing him out there from a personal perspective because, to me, it's like, you know, go hit the ceremonial tee ball. Don't go try to tell people that you feel like you can win when you're not even close. Now, hey, if he gets it there, that would be awesome for golf. I mean, talk about the ratings. I'd be curious to look at this, you know, for years and years and years, Brian, Tiger Woods was – not only was he winning all these major championships, and of course he was racking up PGA Tour victories left and right, and that's why he's tied with Sam Snead right now, but he he didn't get cut in events. He, he, he found his way to either win the event on 82 occasions, and let's see here, he had 31 other runner-up finishes and 19 third-place finishes, so, I mean, what? That's like, he's played in 371 events all time, so... Uh, roughly some rough math here for you a third of the events he played in he was top three okay it's and did not get cut but this past decade I'd be curious to go back and look because man as soon as physically he started you know having uh you know really dating back to the playoff versus Rocco media right that was the beginning of the end physically for him where it's like surgery after surgery and then 2013 came along and he had a couple more surgeries and now he's had these back fusions and okay now he's had the the horrible car accident physically this last decade I don't know how many of those cuts he's he's played in 371 events Brian 336 cuts he's made a lot of those missed cuts have come in this past decade so I just again we've talked about this before but how realistically, how can Tiger deal with if he's going to go out to the Genesis Invitational and get cut again, and then he's, yes, you know, realistically, he's trying to gear up for these majors, and, you know, honestly, if he's just somewhere near the cut line, probably if you have a realistic expectation, that would be a good result, right, relative to where Tiger Woods is today. A good result is he's not just totally way out in left field away from the cut line. He's within striking distance of it as he builds up for the Masters, but Man, I just we've talked about it like I said before. How how can he continue to do that being Tiger Woods? I just don't know that he can stomach it. Josh, you're right. And you know, Jackson said it earlier. I mean, Tiger feels like when he enters an event in his mind he can win. But does he really now? I mean, you start thinking about it and we'll do the research for next week, right? Jackson. Yes, we will. On the last decade cuts versus starts because I think that'll be an interesting and eye-opening stat so you're bringing up a great topic but for me it's you know I I was a huge Jack Nicklaus fan and I I was never a big Tiger Woods fan even though I, I totally appreciated what he did for the game of golf and how great he was 
But I felt like Jack knew when the time had come and he just kind of quit playing the PGA Tour. And by the way, he won at 46, right, the Masters. But even before that, the three or four years before that, he had really not played many events because of the fact that he, he wasn't Jack anymore. He wasn't Jack anymore. He had the same name, and, and the caddy may have been the same, but his game wasn't the same. And it's really, really hard, especially when you've had injuries, for your game to be the same. And it's hard to watch a legend of the game not tarnish his image, but have a different image where we're sitting here talking, as we did last year during the majors. Remember, we were talked openly about if he'd make the cut, that'd be a great result. How how, how does he do this? It, I don't know is the answer to that question because you're right. I don't think making cuts for Tiger is going to be satisfactory. It never has been satisfactory for him. Just given his mindset, his entire career through amateur golf, through his professional career, into his later years on the tour with the injuries, it has never been his mindset, if I make the cut, I'm good. That has never been it. And we know how hard that he takes it when he doesn't win tournaments. Of course, he's probably laxed off a little bit. He knows that his distance is, is leaving him a little bit. He knows how tough that, that leg is on him, and he's not unaware of the back fusion surgery that they needed to perform on him to keep him together. And all of these things, the people, especially in the entertainment industry and the, the audiences watching, the people know what he's going through. It's been well documented for everyone to see. That is much more aware on Tiger because he is the one who's feeling it. And he knows exactly the limits of his body because he's been doing it for the last two decades playing golf. And so if he's going to go out there and all he's going to do is make cuts this or, year. Or not make a bunch of cuts. Or not make a bunch of cuts, you're right. This could potentially be his final year on a professional tour. I mean, realistically, if he goes out there and all he's doing is making cuts or not making cuts and not being in contention, we could, we could be watching the end of an era here with Tiger Woods. And that would be under no fault. I mean, that's just his body. And that's going to be his decision to stay healthy and just be with his kids and, and, and work on being a family man for, for just a little bit longer while his kids are growing up. Well, let me ask this question, and we can think about it as we head to a break, right? Is he trying to continue to play simply to play in the majors in off hopes he can still break Jack's record? Okay, let's, let's discuss it next right here. It's the Gibby Zone. Back with you in a moment on the home of Suda fans. It's the ref. Rolling along, hour number two. It's the Gimme Zone right here on the ref. He, ladies and gentlemen, is Jackson Rowbottom. He, ladies and gentlemen, is Brian Vineyard. And I'm Josh Elmer. So happy to be with you on a Saturday. So I'll just let you reset the question, Brian. You asked a great question before the break in regards to one Eldrick Woods. Take it away. Well, so the question is, is Tiger simply continuing to try to play to, to beat or tie Jack's record. Where do we think? My personal opinion, I'll throw it out there first. I think that's the only reason he's continuing to play because I don't think he's doing this for ceremonial stuff at all. I think he's trying to play a couple of events to see how his body may hold up and thinking that, hey, I won at the Masters not too long ago. What if I could pull a rabbit out of the hat again? I, we, I mean, we could beat around the bush and speculate, but I think the bottom line in black and white is Brian's got a point. <laughs> Brian has a very good point in the fact that, you know, that 
no one else is probably going to touch Tiger's record, let alone Jack. And so Tiger is the only person left who could potentially touch Jack in that in that category. Because if you look at the if you look at the realm of golf right now, it would be difficult to say for certain. In fact, I can almost say certainly that I don't think that in our in our immediate future anytime soon, we're going to get another player that touches double digits in majors. I don't think that's going to be a thing because the players in the fields are so good. And, I mean, we were talking with the two coaches from Norman and Norman North. The talent level, even for Oklahoma, and let's go, let's stretch that out. The talent level for golfers all over the world now is so high. And that's in large part because of Tiger. And so you have more competitive fields in every tour trying to vie for majors. Tiger wants to be the one that touches that major category. I mean, that's, it makes sense. And so I think Brian makes a very good point. I think he's going to try and touch that, at least get one or two more. I don't know if he will, but he's certainly going to try uh, for as long as he thinks he's able to do it. That's my opinion with it anyway. I'm a little bit different on this. So I think Tiger's come to grips with the fact that he's not catching and tying or passing Jack. I don't, th- I don't think that – I don't think he has any illusions of grandeur. I think that that's why we saw him as emotional as he was at the 2019 Masters, and I think that's only be- – become more pronounced now we're four years removed from that believe it or not I mean it feels like it wasn't too long ago that he did that but man we're talking about a debilitating car crash to a body that was already pretty physically broken down at that juncture okay so things physically have not gotten better for Tiger Woods they've gotten worse and oh by the way again we're four years removed from that 2019 Masters Championship and uh, the the Zozo Championship which came uh, a little bit after that in 2019 that's that's not a total lifetime ago in golf, but that's a pretty pronounced departure. That's four years that we're talking about he's been removed from winning. Well, so, with Tiger as well, I mean, that is kind of a lifetime ago considering the injuries that he's had in that four years. So, Well, and, and just his career, right, what he's used to doing. I mean, throughout his heyday, he's, you know, five wins minimum, eight wins some years. I mean, it's like a – winning machine okay so and he hasn't won in four years so there's that right I think he's given up the illusion of grandeur that I'm gonna win three more majors I mean that's it's hard to win one major championship it took him it took him what Brian how many years uh, from it took him 11 years from the the U.S. Open at Torrey to the uh, the Masters in 2019, he's not winning three more major championships, okay? He'll be lucky to win one more major championship, and he's definitely not winning four more major championships, okay? So I think he's given that up. The number that I think he's focused on is 82. He's trying to get to 83. He wants to get one more tour victory so he can at least have that feather in his cap that Jack doesn't have, right, that he would have away from Sam Snead, the all-time PGA Tour wins leader. I think that is the number that he's focused on now. So, Josh, are you telling me that we're going to see Tiger Woods and the John Deere this year so he's got a shot to break that record? Would Tiger ever stoop low enough to play a lower-tier PGA Tour event to break that record, yes or no? I think probably in bits and pieces we'll see a little of that. I don't think we'll see a lot of it. And I, I do think it's two birds with one stone, right? I'm not saying that – Again, the Zozo Championship and events of this likelihood of that ilk is is suddenly going to be a big part of Tiger Woods' schedule. It's not, but if he can play, uh, if he can play the Genesis and 
try and win the Genesis, great. If that can gear him up again for those major championships where he can just knock off one and two birds with one stone, he gets the PGA Tour all-times win mark and one more major championship. I think that's what Tiger's after, right? He's not going to curate his schedule to play a bunch of these lower-rung PGA Tour events, but I do think I do think that's the more important goal now. Okay, now that we've thrown that out there, I'll ask both of you. Jackson, you go first. Okay. Does Tiger Woods make the cut next week? I would say I'm going to say no. Tiger doesn't make the cut. Historically, he has not done well at Riviera, and I can explain why in just a minute. But Well, and I don't care what his track record is at Riviera. He's got two two runners up there. That's it. It's one of the only tracks he's not won, uh, even though uh, obviously – grew up right over there but that being said no he's not making the cut okay he's this could be this could be played in his backyard on his home course and i don't think that he'd be making the cut right now so we got unanimous decision here i, you know, I, I guess no so cut. yeah now tell us why jackson you don't that you think this is particularly tough for him well by his acclamation i forget exactly which year he said it but he said that he loves riviera but just doesn't play well here he knows riviera is a tough track for him he tries to play it, and those runner-up finishes came in the late 90s, by the way. I believe is what the thing was. It was. It was yeah. in the late 90s. 99 was the most recent one. I think it was in 98, his prime, by the way. In, in his, his prime. prime he runner-upped at Riviera. 47 years of age at Riviera where you've got the other best players in the world, I guess by our earlier conversation with the asterisks next to it. But you've got the best players in the world at Riviera. Tiger Woods is 47. We don't know where his game is at, his leg is at, and that's a place it is so tight and punishing if you miss fairways. And historically, over the last few years at Riviera, and just in general, he has not been the most accurate with a driver. And with his game out of those roughs, out of, out of that rough surrounding Riviera, that's going to be a tall order. Only the best drivers of the golf ball at that tournament are going to be the ones who go out and win. Well, and that's a great point. And, oh, by the way, Brian, he's not played. He's, he's not played, and you're going somewhere where it's not forgiving. Yeah, that doesn't bode well at all. No, no, it doesn't. It, it, and that course is incredibly tough. The rough is so thick there. I mean, I've played it. It's incredibly tough. I mean, the you know, it, that's not a good course for him. We talk, we've talk. we talked a lot about how golfers pair themselves in tournaments where golf courses fit their eye and fit their game. This is not one that I see fitting his game at all. I hope that we're wrong, though. I, I mean, I do, too. <laughs> In unison now. <laughs> I mean, I hope that we're wrong because it, it just would be it'd be terrific for the Masters. It'd be terrific for the major season if there was even a sliver of hope that, okay, Tiger Woods can be the 47-year-old that comes out here and his body's rehabilitated to some degree and he can contend in one of these things. I'm not buying it. We'll have to wait and see couple of golfers this week that I think are all probably going to be heavy factors in these major championships coming up. That would be one Scotty Scheffler. That would be one John Rahm. And that would be one Rory McIlroy who was asked uh, an interesting question. And he wasn't, he, you know, speaking of not beating around the bush and not being bashful, Rory wasn't uh, bashful when asked uh, a very important question on tour. We'll get to it next right here on the Gimme Zone. A couple more segments to go here. It's the Gimme Zone on the ref. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard and Jackson Rowbottom. Thanks for making us a part of your Saturday. If you missed any of the show, it'll be up on the podcast page as soon as we're done. Just go to KREF. 
com and uh, click that podcast link right at the top of the page. So uh, mentioned it before the break. An important question posed to one Rory McIlroy entering this week's Waste Management Phoenix Open, and it sounded like this. Rory, technically you are world number one. I'm just curious, do you feel like you're the best player in the world right now? Yes. Why is that? Because I do. Uh, I, I'm playing well. I feel like consistency-wise, um, I've I've been as good as I have been ever in my career. Uh, so there you go. Rory McIlroy says, "Yes, consistency-wise, I'm as good as I've ever been in my career. Yes, I do feel like the best player in the world." What uh, What's your reaction to that, Jackson? Well, it's a shame that he wasn't uh, being upfront about it, right? I mean, <laughs> honestly, there's an argument to be made. He's, if you look at it in his last seven starts, I believe is what it is: three wins, uh, two more top fives, and another top ten to his credit. And so, there's certainly an argument to be made. He's been playing a lot over on the uh, the DP World Tour side uh, to finish that off, but. He won at the CJ, which is a PGA Tour event, and now he's uh, he's a little bit off the track right now, but there's still 36 holes of golf to play. He's got every bit as good a shot coming down the stretch for him. It's it's tough to say that he's not at least top three in the world right now as far as his game goes, whether or not he's number one. John Rahm may have something to say about that. Two wins and uh, already a very young PGA Tour season, and then equally as many top fives and top tens in his last, I believe, eight starts. So, And then Scotty Scheffler is coming back into form. This is a stretch of golf, though. If last year was any indication, this is where he's going to make his bread and butter, is just coming down the stretch in this swing of the PGA Tour. Scotty Scheffler is going to be every bit the player that you need to watch as well. So as far as the PGA Tour goes, there's an argument. I don't know if I can definitively say because it's close between all three of them. Rory feels like it. Who am I to say that he's not the number one player in the world with how he's playing? All I'm saying is we could make arguments for other players as well. So I think Rory makes a sound point. You need to consider everybody in the field, though, who's playing. Brian, what, what say you? Well, I threw up in my mouth just a little bit hearing him say that because I'm not a Rory fan. <laughs> That's fair. No, but, I, I, can, but, I can see. <laughs> uh, yeah, he should feel like he's the best player in the world just given uh, his finishes last year. But – to me, when I think best player in the world, I think Tiger in his prime or Jack in his prime, and they won majors. They had a lot of runner-ups, but they didn't have a drought, a long drought in their prime in majors. Rory needs to win more majors if he's going to claim himself to be the number one player in the world. And for my money right now, I'm putting it on John Rahm. I, I don't know where I'm at with it. I I mean, it's between those two for me. Scotty Scheffler said as much, too. He, he was asked a similar question and said, you know, because he, he could ascend to number one this week, as we've discussed. Both Scheffler and Rom could overtake McElroy in that regard if they win this tournament. And Scheffler very much, you know, top of the board is in the mix to do that. Rom very much in the mix to do that. Just a couple of strokes back as we enter this moving day round. They could each take number one. And yet you got Scheffler who said, man, you know, with what Rom's done in his last X amount of events and what McElroy's done in his last X amount of events, it's probably those two and I'm I'm third, which uh, I appreciate that honesty from from him. 
I got to give the nod, I guess. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that I can give the nod to anybody. I I would I would say Scheffler because he's the one that won a major championship last season, but then it was sort of a precipitous fall from grace the rest of the way to close last year. So I don't know. It's probably it's those three that are the best in the world right now. And then you you say Cam Smith. You say Cam Smith Cam because Smith. Yeah, he's right. won the most recent major championship, and yet he's not on the tour uh, with something to say with these these other guys. Yeah, Cam Smith. Um... To me, I think his upside's so high simply because of his ability to putt. I mean, he's the best putter out there amongst those four. Rory, of the four we mentioned, is the worst putter, although it's way better than it historically has been over the last two years. But if you just put those four and say rank them one to four in putting, well, everybody I think that we poll amongst here and most other golfers I know are going to put Rory fourth. Rory would definitely be fourth in that category. And I know you and I have disagreements on where we rank as far as Rory fans, but we can't agree on that. The putting for Rory has been his his kind of downfall, and I think it's the reason he hasn't won the majors uh, so far either. Uh, he's he's trying to work on it. He's with Brad Faxon right now trying to do it. Brad Faxon's one of the best putting coaches on the planet and one of the best putters historically that's ever lived, I think. And so he's he's going to work. He's he's recognizing his downfall. But you're right, the putting still isn't there for Rory. Last year just still feels like such a massive missed opportunity to me for Rory. He, he's on this pronounced drought since 2014. And what, he had the, the weird kickabout incident that cost him uh, an opportunity in a couple majors, did it? It definitely cost him the chance to play in one, and at least if uh, he did play in the next one physically, I guess, you know, was he quite – quite back and fully back, I should say, and quite right. He's just, man, that end of 14 where he won each of those last two major championships, right? Won the Open Championship, then went and won the PGA Championship. And remember, it was Mickelson and Fowler that were trying to gun him down on that Sunday. And it was Rory that rose above the rest at Valhalla. That day, oh my goodness, coming out of it, there's no way that him being that young and already at four major championships – Absolutely. I thought he'd have 10 major championships right now today, Brian leaving Valhalla, and it hasn't happened. He hasn't won since. And, oh, by the way, last year he's got all these top fives, but he didn't win. I'm looking at this Poznanski piece, and I know I'm being long-winded here. I'll get to the point in just a second. This Poznanski piece that we talked about from, again, April 2014, so I get it's dated. But at that point in time, the median age for major champions was 32 years old. Okay. Rory's passed that, past that mark, right? There was only 20 out of 216 golfers, less than 10%, that uh, had won major championships 40 and over. So all of this is to say, man, again, I think last year was such a big missed opportunity from him. He's playing great. The, the, the championship window for him isn't totally closed, Brian, but, man, big missed opportunity last year. Let's see what happens in the majors this season. But I kind of feel like – we're going to point to last year and say, yeah, you know, what could have been some majors that he could have stacked up. Well, for sure, and I think he'd tell you that as well, Josh. You know, you know, he's a guy that you're going to look back at a lot like Phil and say, God, how many times was he on the doorstep and could have, should have won, right? You know, Phil, I mean, how many times at the U.S. Open in particular did – Phil kind of still defeat from the jaws of victory. I think they did a stat on that. I think they had six runner-up finishes. Obviously, yeah. the wing foot one was the killer. Yeah, it was epic collapse. But, 
But, you know, you also – there was a stat out there, and I think maybe you showed it to me, Josh, but is that it's almost the marriage penalty is once these guys get married and start a family, they are far less likely to win majors going forward than they were previous. The stat – it was astronomical. The stat yeah, that's was wild. shocking to me. That you know, Nicholas was one of the few that won more majors, you know, after he got afterwards. married. Yes. Huh. Yeah, that's that's uh that's strange. Tiger Woods would be the re- reverse of that, right? As soon as uh, things fell apart, there was it, not it a fell not apart. A, it really <laughs> fell apart. Right. As soon as things in the relationship fell apart, the winning fell apart uh, uh afterwards. Yeah, that's that's interesting. And you know, a couple of guys on that list of golfers that Either in Rory McIlroy's case, we're waiting to see he's won, right? He, he's been winning, but he's not winning major championships. And then a couple of guys on the uh, return trail, Ricky Fowler, that uh, would fit that regard as, hey, married kids and, you know, golf game has kind of disappeared on him. But it's returning. So we mentioned it earlier, five golfers who could return to form and win this season. We'll reveal the final three names we didn't tell you about yet. And, oh, by the way, let's make some some picks going out the door. Closing up shop, it's the Gimme Zone right here on The Ref. We're at the finish line on this Saturday for the Gimme Zone. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Enjoy hanging out with all of you. Each and every Saturday we'll be... We'll be with you every Saturday through, I don't know, into the tour championship or so. So we got, I mean, we're just getting going on our spring schedule as well. We are hitting full swing, ladies and gents, right here on the Gimme Zone on the ref. So teased it before the break and, you know, probably can't expound too much on this, but put this on our list of topics, dependent upon also what happens in the Waste Management Phoenix Open here. There's two guys that we haven't heard much from recently, those being – Jason Day and Ricky Fowler. Jason Day, two rounds in, two rounds to the good, six under par. Ricky Fowler, two rounds to the good, five under par. Four shots, five shots respectively off the uh, top of the board down at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Those two names, coincidentally, also on this list from Golf Week, five big-name PGA Tour players ready to break out from slumps and win again in 2023. Fowler, Day. The other names on this list, Colin Morikawa, Adam Scott, who we talked about earlier, and Daniel Berger. So out of those names, who who do you – I mean, for me, it's like a slam dunk. Morikawa is the most likely to get back and start winning big again. But what do you what do you take from that list? I wouldn't pick Morikawa right now with the way he's swinging the golf club. I've been watching him two days at the Waste Management, and that driver swing is something that needs to be worked on and something fierce. So Colin Morikawa is in kind of a tough spot with his swing right now. Out of those three that you mentioned – is it, was it three or was it five? Five. It Day, a- Day, Fowler, Berger, Scott, Morikawa. Right now I would pick Jason Day to be the first one to win out of those five. Just with the way his game is going, he needs to work on his putting, his short game just a little bit more. He's got the most complete swing, the most complete package right now, and the waste man, the, Scottsdale is playing very difficult this week. The greens are incredibly firm, and 
they're not being particularly friendly with the pin locations this week either. Well, the wind, the wind definitely is a big factor. That course is not set up for a bunch of wind, and they've had uncharacteristically high winds so far. Now, it did calm down yesterday in That's the true. afternoon. So the people that got to finish in the afternoon yesterday had a big advantage, and, true. and probably this morning too because it's typically not too windy in the morning out there. But, yeah, it is a tough golf course. And you hit it the nail on the head about Colin Morikawa. His, he's always been one of the top five iron players in the yes. world, at least for the last five, six years. His driver has always been the problem. His putter a little bit as putter well. Putter a little bit. Um, he's kind of gone back and forth to claw and not. And so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say not so fast. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, going, I'm going with Ricky Fowler. I mean, just because I like the guy. I feel like he has made a recommitment to golf, and that's who I'm going with. You guys have uh, picks to win. We got like 30 seconds. My pick to win, I'm going to take a late run by Xander Shoffley. Okay. I'm going to take a wait, late run by Xander. You stole that from me. Uh, did I? Okay. So <laughs> I'm going to return the favor and say a late run by Jason Day. There you go. I, I would love to see both of those two. I think John Rahm's going to win. That's, uh, that's it for us. We'll see you next week. Appreciate both of the coaches from Norman High and Norman North. Greg Gross and Ryan Rayner. Until we reconvene next week, everybody enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the waste management. See you later.